the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the third part in our series on Jesus' Prayer from John 17. Unfortunately, we didn't record the second part in the series and we apologise for this missing episode. The main reading is John chapter 17. John chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked to heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me has come from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they have accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, but they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent them and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me, and that I myself, may be in them. Two weeks ago we began this great high priestly prayer. It's the longest prayer we see of Jesus, and very clearly Jesus wanted us to know it, because he... uh, Obviously the beginning was about him 
about his glorification, his mission, his commitment to the mission, what he was all about. Um, and then last week, it wasn't taped, sorry, but um, last week he began to pray for his disciples, what he wanted. And that's very important, you see, because sometimes we can say, well, what does the Lord want for us, in us? And he tells us, and of course, we looked at the joy of the Lord. Lord, give them, let their joy be full. The cheer, the delight, the, the, glad, the, the, the blessing of God upon our lives. Remember we said grace received joy. Um, let me just uh, say that again. Grace, um, grace, joy expressed when grace experienced. In my presence is fullness of joy. A house of prayer brings joy. He is our joy. So he said, I want, it, I want to be filled with joy, irrespective of circumstances. It isn't happiness, because circumstances can change that quickly. But the joy, that's one of the great <clears throat> demarcations of us as Christians. There's a joy because why? Because we know why we're here and we know where we're going. Bless the Lord. And as we said last week, it doesn't matter how much difficulty we have, Paul said, it's momentary. And let's be honest, most of us haven't had a lot of difficulty, have we? Uh, bits and bobs as, as, as the years gone by, but in our, we've been pretty good. We've been pretty blessed, didn't we? And of course, again, it depends how we look at things. Remember that? I told you about my um, nan yesterday, uh, last week, and she used to whistle, count your blessings. And if we began to count our blessings, we've been blessed, haven't we? Um, so uh, that, the joy, the protection of the Lord, he said, keep them, Lord. Don't take them out of the world. Keep them. Battling is a, is a, is a war going on, and the Lord has asked for our protection. He tells us to pray, deliver me from the evil one. Same words, same thing, protection. And, of course, ultimately, sanctification. What sanctification? Separate from sin, separate to him. It's our command, it's our call, it's the will of God for our lives, that we are his and his alone, separate for him. Nothing in between, nothing uh, vile, nothing corrupting, nothing, what the Bible says, not even spotted by this world or tainted by this world, sanctified. That's what he's asking. And of course he says, how do we get that? By the word of the truth, cleansing of the word. And of course then we come, a few more things he's praying for over our lives. Praying for over our lives. Um, uh, tonight, the first is probably verse 21. I'm just jumping on. I come back to the um, uh, to, to uh, ascending. And what does he say? Verse 21. There all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they be also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory. I in them and you in me. So there's, there's a combination of union with the Lord and unity with the Lord and unity with others. So the first thing we're looking at tonight is uh, union with the Lord. You in union with the Lord. The Bible says we're in Christ and he is in us. That, that's what makes the difference. And that's what he's praying for. Lord, help them to be in me and help them me to be in them. And that's a continual process, you see. We're continually growing in grace and he's continually having more sway in our lives. And uh, when he's talking to the Corinthians right to the last chapter, in the second book, he says, now test yourselves. See you for in your faith. Examine yourself to see if Christ is in you. Otherwise, you fail the test. So that's one great, great test. You see, when the cults come, Jehovah's Witness comes, let's turn to this verse. Is Christ in you? Now, they, they don't believe that. Now, they give you a, a wishy-washy answer. Oh, yeah, but they, they, no. Is Christ in you? Because the Bible says, if he's not in you, you fail the test. Fail the test. So Christ in us. Uh, bless the Lord. Colossians 1, 26, 27. 
The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This great mystery. What a great mystery. And what is it? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is amazing. And that's what he longs for. That's that salvation, isn't it? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Bless the Lord. And that's, again, the difference between religion and the reality and religion. Christ in us. And that's his prayer. Lord, let me be in them. Let them be in us. Abide in me and I abide in you. Bless the Lord. Um, let's do 1 John 3, 23-24. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he gave us. So we see it and we know it. He abides in us. And again, of course, 1 John is, is very clear. He's telling us that we should know it. If we don't know it, then we're not saved. He's very clear, John. He's an old man now. He's saying, like, I'm time to mess about. Come on, use the test. You are the test. Is Christ in you? Is the Holy Spirit testifying with your spirit that you're a child of God? And, uh, and we need to be, again, more pointed because the people in our churches and lots of churches that believe something but is Christ in them if they've been born again if they repented and believed who knows because if you talk to them are you sure are you sure you're going to get to heaven they'll say well I hope so well if we're hoping we're without this worldly hope we're in trouble you see hope biblically is confident expectation so Christ in us listen to what Paul said Galatians 2 verse 20 I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and this life which I now live in the, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Bless the Lord, what a great verse. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified. See, baptism, again, it's a picture, it's, it's a, of us dying to ourselves and being baptized into Christ. So there's, it's not something, just a vague belief, is it? There's something dramatic, supernatural going on. That Christ comes into us. The Holy Spirit comes and take, uh, abides in us. Jesus said, as I guess I must abide in your house. If there's no abiding in the house, Zacchaeus is going to be the same after Jesus left. There's a dramatic Jesus comes in. And this is what he's praying for. Lord, let me come in. Let me be in them and let them be in me. Otherwise, There'll be no, no effect, they won't be effective, and the world will run over the top of them. Um, and that's our weapon, also our, our power in a sense. So union with him, union with him, in him, bless the Lord. What did he say in John, John 14? I love it. If anyone loves me, he will keep, he will watch over, he will preserve my word. Again, that's another test. If we are his, we love his word. We protect his word even when we don't like it. Because sometimes the word speaks to us, isn't it? And cuts across us. Challenges our behavior. Challenges our, our, our way, of, way of thinking in life. Keeps my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him. And make our abode with him. Again, just a little a few verses before. I, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will come in you. And you will, I, I'll be in you. And you will be in me. 
There's the union. Jesus is praying for us to be in him and him in us. Bless the Lord. Uh, so it doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter what the devil does, we're in him. Bless the Lord. In Christ. That's what he's praying for. But then he goes on and prays for not just union with him, but unity within brothers and sisters. Oh, now that's a bit more difficult, isn't it? Oh, and you say, let's Lord, I'm in union with you. But I don't like so-and-so. <laughs> let's have a look how we can overcome that because you know, Jesus is praying for it, isn't he? He's praying for unity. And when Jesus is praying for it, then it's obviously very, very important. And in fact, he says there, doesn't he, very clearly, when there's union, uh, when there's unity, there's effectivity. The world will see. The world will know. Um, so let's have a look at that. Um, uh, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. It's a great chapter, great, really to dwell on. As we said, it starts in our thinking, the anointing on the head, the, the change of thought thinking, the change of um, transformational thinking, because it always starts in the mind, isn't it? Uh, th those thoughts, those, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that, ooh, what did they say? Ooh, what did they say? How did they look at me? Starts in the mind. And what we do, instead of captivating and grabbing all of it, dealing with it, we let it stew. We'll, and it, we'll say, oh, dare they? What do they think? They... And you know what? I've been in church more, a lot of my life, well, most, all of my life, and most of the problems are... Um, misunderstandings, most of them, not always, most of them, misunderstandings, that someone has said this, so, oh, glory. But it, start with the head, the anointing of the head, the thinking, and then, the, you see, the anointing just flows down through every area of our lives then. Once we have our minds in check, that's why Jesus said, uh, uh, Paul said, take captive the thoughts. Take captive the thoughts, isn't it? Um, uh, when we are... Uh, when you have an argument, I know it doesn't happen in my house, of course. <sighs> um, that's right, no, no, that's right, if you're on your own, you can only argue with yourself, can't you? That's right, that. And always win, then. Uh, oh, sometimes not, maybe. Uh, but you know what, it, it's taking, and of course, what, what do we do? If it's unresolved, we'll stew on it, won't we? And then we'll, we, we'll, come, we'll come back, we'll come back with a list of things that they've done, or a list of things I should have said at an argument. I, I think, oh, I wish I had said that. I'd have chopped her legs from underneath her. I'd have, I'd have, bit, I'd have won the argument. You can win the argument, but lose, lose the, the war, in a sense. Lose the, uh, lose the relationship. What does the Bible say? Better to be, better to be hurt. Better to be sidelined than actually bring disgrace. Remember, you talked to the Corinthian church. He said, what are you doing? He said, you were bringing your brothers before court. A court of law. He said, what are you doing? He said, better to be wronged than give a bad testimony to the gospel. Because remember, eternally minded. That's what Jesus is asking us to be. Be eternally minded. Look, that's why we look at why, why, how we can keep unity in a minute. But that's where it starts. In the head, flowing down, moving, growing continually, uh, applying God's word. And of course, when that happens... Uh, God is going to work in might. The book of Acts, there's, there's a particular um, a phrase 
um, in one accord. You find it 11 times in the New Testament, 10 times in the book of Acts. One accord, one mind, of the same mind, all together. And uh, then we wonder why God moved. Because they had one mind, what? To exalt the Lord and to proclaim him. Anything else, remember, there was, there was distractions, wouldn't it? What happened? Oh, there's trouble with the food distribution. They, they, they're missing out the non-Jews. And the disciples said, okay, let's deal with this. We're not going to deal with it. Get some good men in, filled with the Spirit, good wisdom. Let them deal with that. We're not going to get distracted. Easily distracted we can become, can't we? They could have said, right, let's deal with this, boys. No, 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 no. Get some cable. Let them deal with that. Because that's my, our, our priority is to pray and get into the Word and to feed the flock. And not be distracted from the, the most important thing. Let's read uh, those words just to underline that. Acts 1, Acts 1 and f- 1 verse 14, and then chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together at one place. Suddenly a sound of the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All together, that's the NIV, all together, one accord, one accord, right time, right place, right attitude, God is going to move, isn't he? Because they're all together. Um, it didn't matter what they were, it just said there, yeah, the women and the men praying, coming together. All Now the Lord, had, it was some winnowing going on because we know the 120 when they baptized in the Holy Spirit came, but there were 500 who saw the resurrection, so there was a little bit of... Uh, filtering off and we've talked about that before people giving up not waiting not doing as jesus said stop and wait he said and uh, we don't like that especially now more so in our day and age than ever before less patience ever if, you, if you're on the road you'll see it if you're in the supermarkets you'll see it um, it's, it's called a trolley rage now don't they thankfully i don't i don't go shopping i don't go with them dad but uh, I love Dad push the trolley. <laughs> I say, oh, I don't know where he's going. Get through, I'll push through. Uh, so we, we see it, we see it. In, but the Bible says, right place, right time, with one accord. Now, thankfully, the Bible gives us some real insight how to diligently keep. Now, God gives unity. God places the unity, but we have got to keep it. We have got to be diligent in keeping it. Let's read that. We looked at it maybe a few months ago on a Sunday morning. Um, uh, Luke, uh, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 1-6. Time therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, the power of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now, he tells us there about our walk. That's the key, you see. Walk worthy of our calling. Remember, it's not about us. It's about him. Because we talked about, and he finishes off, we are to glorify him. Not to do with ourselves. So as soon as we, we feel slighted, me, my, I, oh, Lord, I say, what well, isn't about me. 
not about me. It's about you. Walk worthy of your calling. And then he says, now be diligent. Be prompt. Endeavor to keep the unity of peace in the bond of peace. Reconcile. That's a tight ligament band. Reconcile. Be reconciled. Force it. Keep it. Produce it. Persevere in it. It's so difficult with some people. Because there's some people we tend to avoid. I look at nobody. Yeah, it's true. Now some of us get on with everybody, I suppose. Some of us, some of us don't. But that, it's perseverance. It's applying God's word to our hearts. Now here he says, and he gives us, he tells us in, in verse 4, uh, uh, chapter 4, four five things. How to keep unity, how to preserve unity. Number one, humble, humility, not being proud. How do we stop ourselves being proud, low-lying? See ourselves as God sees us. See other people as God sees them. Remember, outside of, 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 of Jesus, we are lost. We're all sinners. All sinners, which means we're all in the same boat, aren't we? So when we begin, that brings us humility. And the Bible says, now humble yourself. Don't, we say, oh Lord, make me humble. No, no, the Bible says humble yourself. There, there, there's, there's a process where we look, that's why we keep looking at the cross. We keep looking at the cross, we'll always stay humble. We take our eyes off the cross and we'll think, oh, Lord, you, uh, good job you saved me. I'm an asset to your kingdom. <laughs> uh, let me say, you know, you may not have said that out loud, but you've said it inside. Oh, pretty good, better than, look at uh, there, look at them there. And uh, we, humility, see yourself as God sees, not what others or oneself or say or thinks. Arrogance and pride always breaks unity. Bless the Lord. Humility will bring it and will certainly keep it. Then he says, this is a, we've looked at this word before, a beautiful word, meekness. Meekness. The opposite of um, self-assertiveness, self-absorbed, self-promotion, self-reputation, self-interest. It's the opposite of that. It's dying to me. That's why Jesus did not care, in one sense, what people said about him, what people um, abused him and accused him of. Why? Because that's all he was interested in, what the Lord, his Father, was going to think, what he was doing for him. And so meekness, beautiful, teachable, pliable, opposite of stubbornness. And remember we talked those three particular areas we all have trouble with in temper, unforgiveness, and stubbornness. Three key areas, I would say, in all of our, not, not in, not in everyone's, but certainly one of those you'll have problems with. Some of us got problems all three sometimes. <laughs> and uh, meekness um, comes and says, Lord, here I am. It's not about me. And remember, uh, these, these now are fruit of the Spirit. So that should be being produced in our lives. You see, when we are meek, when we are dying to ourselves, a dead man can't get offended. It doesn't matter. If he's dead, you can call him what you like. You're not going to bother him, is it? You're not going to bother him at all or her. And uh, that's why day by day, die to yourself, die to yourself. And God will test that. Because we'll say, I'm doing well. And then someone will do something. Someone will say something. And you'll, ooh, your ankles will come up, won't it? Ooh, ooh. How dare Jackie say that to me? How dare she say that? She's probably right. But I dare she say it anyway. She shouldn't have said it. She shouldn't have done it. And you know what? Meekness comes and it's tested in prayer. But you see, meekness will always keep humility, will always keep unity. Why? Because it's nothing to do with me. 
It's what the Lord thinks, what the Lord wants. Next one is patience. Be patient, long-tempered, as opposed to short-tempered. Um, patience. We don't surrender to our circumstance. We don't succumb under trial. The opposite of despondency uh, associated without hope. See, that's the, the long-temperedness, the long-suffering. Um, that keeps unity. Bless the Lord. It does. Ephesians 4. Next one. Present continuous. Again, present continuous says you showing forbearance, he says. What does that mean? As we said before, putting up with. <laughs> ah, oh, I can't put up with her or him. Well, the Bible says to keep unity, you've got to show forbearance. Put up with them. Put up with them. Does that mean they can... No, no, no. There's, there's a time and place. Again, grace and truth. We love a bit of truth, don't we? Sometimes I'm going to chew, I'm going to sort them out. Grace and truth. There's a time and a place, but ultimately we are making allowances for. Why? Because God makes allowances for me and you, didn't he? Glory be. He makes allowances for me and you. So we make allowances, showing forbearance, and ultimately he says, look, keeping you, how do you do that? In love. The agape love that's poured or into our heart, shed abroad in our hearts. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he's praying. This is what Jesus wants. Union with him and unity in the body. Bless the Lord. And more and more now, as we see the end times approaching, we need a church that is just focused on what? Getting the gospel, loving Jesus, knowing him, and showing with a passion. As he will just, that's our next point. Uh, he says, Lord, as you sent me, I am sending them. There's a sending. The word really is there where we get the word apostle. And many people of DME, have, have, we've argued over this jolly word for some unknown reason. Ultimately, Jesus is the chief apostle because he was sent. Hebrews 3, 1, Jesus the Apostle. He was sent. Of course, he sent himself. Came and incarnated himself. Um, as no one else like him. We have the 12 apostles. Or witnesses of resurrection. And there's uh, no one like them today. Because we didn't see the resurrection. Jesus, uh, P uh, Peter, uh, Paul, even Paul. Number 13 uh, was the last of all that uh, saw Jesus in a sense. And there's no one like him today. And he wrote and inspired. Of course, they inspired. They were the writers of the New Testament scriptures. But what is an apostle today? Well, we have, um, in the sort of the general word, it's someone who is sent. So in generally, that's why, you know, when we talk about the five ministry gifts, there are people who are gifted in those particular areas, but never, ever say, well, that's not my gift. No, we're all called to evangelize, aren't we? We're all called to, we're all sent because Jesus has told us, go. We'll read that in a minute. We're all taught, taught to look after each other, to pastor. We're all, all taught to teach, what do you say? Older women teach the young women. Older men teach the young men. Teach, we're all here to do that. And to speak the word of the Lord. We're all, so in one sense, we're all have those, well, not necessarily ministry gifts, Ephesians 4, the apostle who is specifically sent to um, build churches and to uh, pave the way and get churches up and running. And, um, well, we can see that, can't we? And we can see people who are, who are gifted in And I was just thinking the other day, um, we have, I suppose we have lost that sharpness, um, those church planters, those, 
those messengers who were sent. I was just thinking um, when Crosskey started Pentis, how those men, amazing really, how, how many churches, because that's where it started and it's fanned out around the valleys. And, and that's where we had a church in Tinton. Now, driving from Crosskey to Tinton, I don't mind. No driving in those days, was it? Bike or bus? Why? Because there was an anointing on them to get the gospel out. There may be an apostle anointing. They were sent. Get the gospel out. Build a church. Get. And so we, we see churches all around the valleys and down through South Wales. Why? Because these men got up, got out, and thought, didn't think, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to get there. They got there somehow and began to preach the word and built and established churches. So that's the apostle um, ministry gift, but ultimately we are all set, of course, because Jesus has said. Let's read uh, the, about the apostles first, uh, Mark 3, 13 to 15. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Verse 18, as you sent me, I'm sending them. I'm sending them. And of course, when Jesus said them, he sent me and you as well. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whosoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, Jesus' last words, I suppose his first words, I suppose were, were to us, were come, follow me, second words maybe, but his last final words were, go, go and preach the gospel. Go and tell, go and tell. In every gospel, you'll find the Great Commission. And in the book of Acts, Acts 1 verse 8, go, take that which you know and be a witness. See, we're all evangelists in the small e, if you like, I don't like using that, but you know what I mean? We're all evangelists. Why? Because we all have a testimony. We're all witnesses. Witness means to be a martyr, someone who has eyewitness testimony, one who bears witnesses by giving their lives, really, a martyr by their death. And uh, we may never have to do that, literally. Many of our brothers and sisters today will lose their lives. And we know that more than ever, you know, this last century than ever before. Um, we read open doors every morning. And it's amazing, even in those countries, those African countries, where there's a majority saved. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, we read Mozambique, like 60% saved. Congo was 80% saved. It doesn't take many. Just a handful of militia come through and they kill and they maim and they persecute and they force women into marriage and they rape and pillage. It is. So we see today, we see it before our eyes. And I suppose in the coming days, our church will, we won't get that much persecuted, but we will be squeezed. We will be squeezed, there's no doubt. Because the Bible promises that, doesn't it? Promises a little bit. But of course, what happens then? The Lord, oh, Lord. As the squeezing comes, the anointing, bless the Lord. So, go into all the world, preach the gospel. That is, um, that's our duty. Um, before we come to um, our devotion, it's our duty. Bless the Lord. Um, 
when Jesus has done that for us, how can we not tell others? If they, if we've said it before, we if someone was ill with a um, terminal illness, and we had the antidote, we had the medication for them, not to offer it to them would be criminal, absolutely criminal. Yet we have something that is is killing people eternally. We have the antidote. We have the medication. Now, again, we can't force it down them. We'd like to, especially our family, we'd like to force it down them. But they've got to read. But we've got to tell. We've got to show. We've got to be. It is our duty. Bless the Lord. Listen to um, listen to Paul. Uh, remember Paul, fantastically saved. Listen to the, the weight of um, uh, the, the gospel upon him. Uh, Romans 1, 14 to 16. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He uses a really strong word. I'm a debtor. I'm under obligation. See, uh, you tell us in a moment, uh, it's it's out of love. But he said, if it isn't out of love, it's out of duty. It's out of obligation. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 6, Whoa, strong word, really powerful. Woe to me if I preach not the gospel. If I don't take all of that which God has done with me and and... And, and let it flood my life with all his strength, all his power. And, um, you know, the older we get, the more we realize there's nothing, nothing, nothing as important as knowing the Lord and showing him and, and telling of him and, and being for him. Ah, bless the Lord. That's uh, our duty. But ultimately, um, it's our devotion. It's something because God loves us. God has saved us. And uh, the Bible says he, he's poured out his love in our heart. He's shed abroad his love in our heart. There's something in us that thinks like the Lord. What does he say? I'm willing that none would perish. I'm willing that all would come to repentance. That's the heart of the Father. And uh, no, I must be honest. That's not always my heart. Because some people I'm thinking, you know, dear Lord. But I'm, I'm always amazed that the people like that, the worst are the ones ready to be saved. Or Saul, no one thinks he's getting saved. They were praying for him. His family were praying for him. But the Bible says he's getting worse and worse. He, and he, we, we know a little bit about him. He's a nasty piece of work. And they would have thought, how is he ever going to get saved? But they didn't give up. They kept praying, praying, and the Lord brought him right through. Our devotion. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 20. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one die for all, then then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should from not from henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we that no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. 
Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray for you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Verse 14. The love of Christ constrains me, confines me, secures, holds me together and holds me fast, presses me. And um, when we say about evangelism, if they, there's lack of zeal in your evangelism, it's because there's a lack of love. Simple as, isn't it? Paul says there, the love of Christ constrains me. It grabs a hold of me so much that I've got to get the gospel out. And then he says, part of our devotion, part of our destiny, part of who we are. What did he say there? God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, he underlines it. He said, God has committed to us. He's placed it in our hands. He's assigned it to me and you. The ministry of reconciliation. And then again to underline it a third time, he said, now we are his ambassadors. So we represent the kingdom. We represent and we're sharing the gospel. He's given it us. We understand, uh, you know, oh, what, what have I got to say? You're a sinner. You need a saviour. Jesus is that saviour. Now, maybe not only too blunt. Well, that depends on some places. We need to be blunt with people. Depend who they are. Um, and our families be straight down the line with some of them, and they? they know the gospel. Um, and there's ways and means, isn't there? But ultimately, our heart is for people to be saved. Um, sometimes it takes no words at all, does it? Because we said salt and light, salt and light is being there, being present. Um, and sometimes, uh, as we've said before, better to, um, to be and not talk than talk and not be. Yeah? <laughs> Because we have said we've all come to Jesus and then we've lost our testimony by doing something stupid. And um, they think, well, if that's, if that's Christianity, that's right. A lot of people use that as an excuse, of course, don't they? A lot of, oh, it's full of hypocrites. I always remember Billy Sunday said, well, if it's full of, come and join them then. Come and join them for one hour, he said, because yeah, otherwise you'll be with them for eternity. Um, and he said, yeah, Billy Sunday, pretty quick. Um, so that's, that's our devotion. That's our devotion. It is out for the love of Christ. God tells us. If he tells us to do something, well, Lord, help us to be that. He's sending us. He's, he's got his hand upon us. Dave, I can't see any results. I can't see any fruit. That is not our job. Our job is to sow, to share, to speak, to, to be. And, and we could easily say, dear me, you know, we've been here a long time, haven't we? Gone through houses, Digging this, gone that, and we think, Lord. And the devil would love us to give up, wouldn't he? That's his job. Give up, give up, Dave. Yeah, oh, you, you've, you've been to every house, you've been to this and that. No, no, no. Our job is to go and tell. And of course, ultimately, it is our calling. It's our character, who we are. 1, 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as the journeys and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honourable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
Remember, he puts a lot of emphasis on how we live, isn't it? How we live. Listen to, listen to what you, this is how you live. Now live like this, so they, they'll accuse you. Of course they will. But there'll be no accusation that sticks you, because it won't be true. Now, sadly, sometimes they can accuse us of things, and they sometimes write. And then, you know, there's, there's a time then we just say, Lord, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to not say a word. going to live through it and, and pray through it. But it's about life and lifestyle and witnessing and testifying and living among those. What does he say in 1 Peter 3? In your hearts, again, back to that's where he prays for sanctification before sending. Sanctify Christ as Lord. Set a Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. Now be careful with meekness and in fear. Bless the Lord. See, there's a sanctification, and when we have sanctification, we have a great hope. We know where we're here, we know where we're going, and people will see the difference. And I'm asking myself, when was the last time someone said, Dave, what is the difference in you? Because the Bible says they will ask the reason for the hope that's within us, and then we share the gospel. We share the gospel um, with them. Bless the Lord. So that's our, what our calling. But again, ultimately, it's what we're here for, to know him and to show him. Listen to what Paul said as his uh, final words to um, the Ephesian church before he was going to go. And he said, I'll never see you again. Listen to what he said. Acts 20, 22, 24. You see now that I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that have happened to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry to which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Bless. See Paul's heart. That's why the love of God was shed abroad. That's why he was his, his constraining. Lord, let my mission, my mandate, my motivation, and nothing will stop me. I know what's ahead of me. And uh, some of us, you know, could, we don't know what's ahead of us, and, and some of us don't want to know what's ahead of us. And uh, but the Bible said, Paul said, well, I, I know a little bit what's going to happen to me. Wherever I go, there's going to be trouble, <laughs> and I'm going, to, I'm going to take the brunt of it. Um, but it doesn't matter. That didn't deter him. Why? Because the mission was secure in his heart. I've not been disobedient to my calling. Our calling isn't. You know, we say, what's my calling? My calling, your calling, is clear: to know the Lord and to show the Lord. Sanctification and sending. So tonight he said, Lord, give them union with me, unity with each other, and then send them out with this great gospel. Bless the Lord, help us, Lord, in these last days to take the gospel. Bless them, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.